morning folks can um, let us pray. Thank you, Father God, for the for the readings and the you know the fact that we've all been brought together and we're able to hear and appreciate your word. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just got a little anecdote to add before um before I start my talk. Um, when Tom asked me to, to to do this talk. This particular passage, the one from Mark, like, you know, sort of had a resonance with me because um, there was once a time when I was, you know, disputing whether it was magic, deceit or trickery, what, what actual miracles were, because a friend of mine had described, you know, Jesus's miracles as being one of trickery, deceit and magic. So um, this left me very hurt. But even after I was, I was hurt, the spirit just brought this, this particular passage to my heart and was just saying, you know, how could it be trickery when people weren't even aware? So, and um, I'm now like sort of really delighted that I'm able to, you know, like sort of have this talk and, and explain the way in which this passage in particular like sort of resonates with me. Mark 5 is a busy form of scripture. A lot is happening and achieved in a short space of time. Ultimately, two people are seen being restored. The dead girl is given back her life and the sick woman is given back her health. New beginnings for them both, new opportunities for further growth, a total rewind. The sick woman is told her faith has healed her. That complete confidence and trust in something which is immeasurable, so profound, it has no explanation. It is just a dogged belief that something is true or real. With the dead girl, her parent Jairus pleads on her behalf and he is told not to be afraid, just believe. Trust in that which cannot be explained, that which has a quality that cannot be quantified, that which is all-consuming, overwhelming, of great importance, that salvation of redemption. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs tell us. Mark's narrative informs us that the crowd is large when he informs us that the crowd is large when he arrives by boat. And Jarius vervently makes his way through, searching, possibly asking who and where is Jesus. He would have not known his identity. Visuals were unavailable. And immediately, but immediately he approaches Jesus, shows him respect, and pleads earnestly with him about the plight of his ill daughter, who he doesn't believe will survive. And he requests that Jesus place his healing hands on her so as she will live. Jairus, who we're told is in a position of authority, one of the synagogue rulers. Despite this fact, in front of a huge crowd, he implores the help of Jesus. Is that just desperate hope? Or does he have a genuine belief, an intimate yearning for the truth? So a discerning Jesus, the faithful servant, goes with Jairus. 
Next, we're told that along the way, they encounter the sick woman. We allay to her thoughts. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Again, that instant recognition, distinguishing him amongst the crowd. Mark 5 continues, we feel her angst as we read. We've already been informed as to her plight, the 12 years of affliction, being rendered unclean, ostracized by her community, subjected to shame, forced to walk in the shadows. Having spent all she had on physicians, yet instead of, instead of getting better, she grew worse. Her future seemed bleak, no respite, no cure. After she touches Jesus, she's immediately cured and instantly freed from her suffering. At this point, she could have run away. No, she witnessed that Jesus had felt her touch and was asking who had touched him. She remained and explained that it was her and gave her reasons for doing so. Jairus at this point must have been wholly anxious to get Jesus swiftly to his home. This interruption would have been seen as an unnecessary delay. Then Jairus receives word that his only daughter has died. Jesus overhears the discussion and tells Jairus to ignore what they have told him and to not be afraid, just believe. Would those words have been of comfort to Jairus? What would they have meant? At this point, we can only imagine that Jairus' world has fallen apart, crumbled in front of his eyes. What was he expected to believe in? Fear would have enveloped him. Fear in the form of shock. The death of a child at any age is extremely traumatic for the grieving parents. What would this Jesus be able to do? Jesus takes control of the situation, chooses those who he trusts, Peter, John and James, to accompany him. He clears the house of the wailers who laughed when he tells them that the child is not dead, but merely sleeping. He takes both parents and his trusted into the room where the child is laid. He takes her by the hand and tells her to get up. Crucially, after all of this amazement on the one day, Two miracles have been performed. Jesus gives stark instructions to those who witness the child awakening, not to disclose it to anyone. It is to be kept a secret. The sick woman had also tried to keep her interaction with Jesus a secret, but her pure heart had revealed her and was witnessed. While she trembled with fear in front of Jesus, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Why choose to keep the miracle a secret? The humble deeds um, of the servant, Isaiah teaches, here is my servant whom I uphold. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. We must remember the political situation of the times. Galilee was largely an occupied territory. Not wanting to appear an usurper, Jesus would have, in the beginning, we can assume, kept a very low profile. Also, he would not have wanted unbelievers to adopt their own interpretation to events because of the likelihood of distortion and exaggeration. 
Jesus would have needed to protect himself against the overwhelming surge of all the needy people draining him, milling around, attempting to exploit his good nature for the benefit of themselves and their own greed, wants or desires. As we read in Mark 5, 16, people feared that they didn't know or understand Jesus. They didn't know, sorry. As we read, people feared what they didn't know or understand. Jesus had healed a demon-possessed man of a great many demons. These demons, on leaving the man, occupied a herd of pigs, which all rushed into a nearby lake and drowned. Many who lived in the area pleaded with Jesus to leave because they came by the story as hearsay. But the man who had been the victim delivered the story with true conviction. And many were amazed by his accounts. Word of mouth would have been the social platform for relaying information. Only those privy to the events, to events would be seen as reliable witnesses. Jesus had taught that the act of giving is ideally done in secret. The concept of not letting your left hand know what the right hand is doing was key. Practicing what he preached, Jesus performed his miracles with love and as they are effectively viewed as acts of kindness. This love is paramount. The generosity afforded to them resulted in the receiver having peace. As in John 16, from the very beginning, when the laws were handed out, we were taught to love our neighbour by not giving false witness against them to covet them. And Jesus, when asked which was the greatest commandment in the law, he replied, love the Lord your God, and the second, to love your neighbour as yourself. The disciples during their journey with Jesus are congratulated for believing at last that Jesus comes from God. Those seeking his help come with a pure heart. When his disciples asked why he speaks in parables, those simple stories reflecting moral truths or religious principles, he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will, be, whoever, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Those seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not understand. Matthew 13 is the well-known parable of the sower, in which we're clearly reminded to plant our seeds into good soil, keep them nurtured, free of weeds, and ensure that the roots are well anchored. In this day and age, we can be satisfied that establishing our trust in the truth is made so much easier because we are better informed. We have the one source of our knowledge and a plethora of comments to aid our interpretation of our Bible. We are told to imitate Christ's humility in Philippians and to make the joy complete by being like-minded. In so doing, we will shine like stars. As Vicharius, his daughter, and the sick woman, our efforts will not go unnoticed 
as we continue to work out our salvation. Our faith dictates that it is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. And this is a promise.